Welcome to the Yogi MD podcast. It's Nadine, yoga teacher, health coach, and retired doctor, here to bring you and your body together, not in sickness, but in health. Thanks for taking this time for yourself. Today, I welcome Dr. Niv again to the podcast, and today we're going to talk about forgiveness, not just why you should do it, but maybe talk about some ways to actually do it to benefit yourself. I think it's easier said than done. Let's really talk about it. Can you please tell us what is the actual definition of forgiveness? I would define it as a kind of conscious decision to let go of negative feelings towards someone who you have perceived as harming you. And so letting go of negative feelings could be letting go of uh, like bitterness, resentment, anger, and then to kind of a more extreme state, feelings of vengeance. The research literature on this would also say that it's not just letting go of this negative piece that's important, Mm -hmm. but that also having some sort of positive feeling would be an important part of forgiveness. So I don't want to mistake that with like, that you're just letting it go completely, that you're glossing over or denying the <laughs> seriousness of what the person did. Um, it doesn't mean forgetting. Mm. Uh, you know, it doesn't mean condoning or even excusing what happened. But it does mean finding some compassion or empathy or some understanding of what happened. Let's talk about first, how is holding on to anger actually physically and mentally and emotionally harmful to us? It's, I mean, ultimately hanging on, not forgiving is doing damage to us. Not forgiving leads to anger. um, And anger has so many negative effects on, on us. So, um, you know, there's a huge relationship between anger and heart health. You know, mm. people who are generally angry tend to die of heart problems. Mm. And I laugh because it's uh, it's one of those, it's just such a strong relationship. And yet people who are really angry don't necessarily see value in getting help for that particular part of it. Right. <laughs> but the anger also can lead to very serious interpersonal problems. Right. Most people mm. don't be around an angry person, which mm. can lead to loneliness and mm. lack of social support, which is then that in its in of, it, of itself is a big predictor of depression and anxiety and just poor mental health outcomes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anger has a lot of problems. You know, it increases our blood pressure. And, uh, so the, the effects of it on both physical and mental health are not good. So on the flip side, when we do forgive, how does that help us? Well, it'll bring us peace of mind. It'll, it can free you from that anger and that you're holding on to, all those negative feelings that you're holding on to. Um, but forgiveness really allows us to acknowledge our pain without letting that pain define who we are. And it lets us get unstuck and move on, particularly if the person we're forgiving is ourselves. It's super easy if it's an acquaintance. Mm-hmm. The harder work is if it's you know someone who you really allowed yourself to develop trust and you were vulnerable and you gave of yourself and you felt it in return. And it's not just a single incident, you know, because I know people who have, you've slighted me once and I'm done. You're cut out of my life. I don't mean that, but I mean consistent with intent 
harmful behavior. How do you actually practically process your feelings and come to that peace of mind and actively forgive? Yeah. So, so, you know, when we talk about forgiveness, there's lots of things that go into forgiveness. So there'll be you know, a cognitive component of it, what we're thinking about this person and this situation. Um, there are things about that relationship that are really specific, you know, how close are we? How satisfied am I with this relationship? How committed are we to each other? Obviously, how severe is the actual offense? Yes. How did they apologize? You know, so there's a lot that goes into uh, what leads us to forgive or not forgive. The best predictor of forgiveness is empathy. So whether we are able to see the other person's viewpoint, maybe not agree. And what with if it. you can't? What What if well, there is no explanation for it? Right. So, so what you're talking about is. Um, really someone who might not be able to forgive, right? And so, so you know, at that point, do you stay in that relationship or and not forgive, in which case you're probably not in a very good relationship. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a relationship of conflict, of lack of trust. If you cannot forgive, that, that relationship cannot move forward because you can't move forward. And if someone came to, if a couple came to me in that situation Um, which they often do. A lot of times couples come to therapy because they want someone else's permission to break up. And they they want, yeah, yeah. Uh, couples therapy could go at a, you know, obviously a good outcome, I would say, is they reconcile and solve the problems. But another good outcome is when two people who really don't want to be together because they can't overcome this basic thing that's happening in their relationship they know the best thing is to split up, but they just need an external person to say that it's okay. But going back to your question of, so let's say they have decided to leave this relationship. Is that what you mean? Like someone has decided not to leave it and how do they forgive them? No, if you decide to leave a relationship, but it's not so simple because you're connected by other people. Mm-hmm. That couple example you gave just now is an excellent one. Say they have children and your relationship is going to be affected with those other parties, say those kids, even though you have separated from your significant other. Yeah, so definitely and uh, one of the predictors of whether we can forgive or not is what are the implications for not forgiving. <laughs> right. So what you're talking about is, is that where I may not be able to forgive this person but. For the sake of someone else, I'm I'm going to make that attempt. Um, and we, when we talk about forgiveness, there are two aspects to forgiveness. One is the internal aspect of really I forgive this person. Mm-hmm. Other is the external behavioral aspect, um, which is like even though I internally am not feeling loving or forgiving, <laughs> I can at least make the behavioral gestures of forgiveness. An example that's not so emotionally laden with children as an an easy example is I have a friend and they have they are having a dinner party and they don't invite me. So I feel slighted. I hurt by it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I contact them. Somehow they find out that I'm hurt and they email me and say, you know, I'm so sorry. I just forgot. 
So even though internally I may still feel hurt, I might respond to that email with like, of course it's okay, you know, I'll see you next week. And so, so there's that distinction between how you respond to the person externally versus what you feel internally. And forgiveness can be either or both. So obviously both would be ideal, mm -hmm. but there are some situations where that might not be feasible. So particularly when we're involving children um, or when others are really affected by your relationship with this person, mm -hmm. you may show forgiveness externally while you're still processing it internally and may not quite be there yet. What if the children are not necessarily happy with you because you couldn't resolve whatever the issues were with the, your significant other, your spouse, to stay together. The kids wanted you to stay together, and you can't. So unfortunately, that your relationship then with your kids will be altered, mm -hmm. even though you're trying to do the best thing for yourself too because you matter. How do you move forward with your these other relationships that are affected? Mm -hmm. I think it really depends on the age of those kids and how much they can understand developmentally. You know, for um, I think the key would be to really emphasize to them that they are not at fault for any of this, right? Because that's what kids often do is blame themselves for any sort of separation. Uh, so, so the part of the forgiving game is forgiving themselves for things they haven't done, mm -hmm. um, but really emphasizing that they're not responsible for this. But I, I also really liked what you said about, I have to take care of myself. In order to take care of you, I have to be well. I have to take care of myself. So, m you know, us making this decision to not be together is about taking care of you as well. We want to do the best thing for you. And even though it's hurtful right now, you have to trust that in the long term, this will be a better situation because you won't be around parents who are fighting all the time or not trusting each other all the time. And I will be, I will feel better. I will be a better mom or dad or, you know, whoever I am in relation to these kids. Mm -hmm. So helping them understand and how you go about that would really vary depending on how old they are mm -hmm. and where they are developmentally. Here's a, a great question. Someone actually asked me once, how do you, particularly if it was a very hurtful interaction, how do you then not allow that interaction to color any other future relationships? For instance, you don't make this become a cognitive distortion, really, and say, well, I was really hurt by this person who was close to me once, so it's just not possible for me to have close relationships ever again or to be able to trust. I'm going to put my guard up. Mm -hmm. And I think that really depends on uh, your history. So if you tend to not uh, have a lot of cognitive distortions, you know, when we talk about cognitive distortions, we're taking talking about like taking a belief and really kind of twisting it in a way that is not true. The example that you just gave really is, you know, the fear is this happened to me before, I couldn't trust this person, mm -hmm. so now I cannot trust anybody. Mm -hmm. That's a cognitive distortion. Um, most people are able to have one relationship and like that and look at it in the context of their other relationships and mm. see that you know, I that was one bad relationship, and I can't trust that person. 
but my history tells me that I generally have good people in my mm. life who are trustworthy, and so I can now trust this next person. Oh, that's very helpful. Mm -hmm. right? But if I am prone to depression or anxiety where I have a tendency mm. to distort thoughts, mm -hmm. then it's not as easy. Mm. Right? Then mm -hmm. This could really affect um, how I approach it future relationships. That's a most excellent point. You're blowing my mind. <laughs> Seriously. These are, wow. Um, and that's why I have the experts on because I learned so much. How do you set healthy boundaries then going forward? So you mean you've been hurt in one relationship mm -hmm. and how do you set boundaries in the next relationship? Mm -hmm. I think part of it, partially trusting your gut. Like if you are seeing kind of the same behaviors that led to whatever broke trust in the first relationship mm -hmm. um, to notice them early on and bring them up to the forefront, right? Because one of two things might be happening. One is that you're right and there's reason for mistrust. Or two, your prior relationship, your prior experience is coloring what's happening now and you're mistrusting when there's no reason to mistrust. Um, but either way, acknowledging it early before you damage your relationship and putting it on the table and having that conversation with the, the person um, would be would be helpful. That's not always easy, mm -hmm. but that would be helpful. And really, you know, this is what a lot of people deal with in therapy when they're having trouble with trust um, is it's working on it by themselves. You know, working on trust is not always cannot always be done in the relationship in the context of the relationship oftentimes it has to be done for, um, for the person themselves because it's really their issue uh, and so if you think that's an ongoing problem you know that's where cognitive behavioral therapy might be helpful to really examine those thoughts and where they come from How can a person who has made the choice to leave a harmful relationship avoid feeling that they've disappointed the other people in their lives? You know, I can't really speak to that because it really depends on what the offense is, what the severity of it was. You know, if you're talking about, um, you know, maybe a partner that's being abusive and people, your family might not agree with your decision to leave that relationship because they don't see the abuse, right? They're not privy to that. That's happening in the privacy of your home. Well, then you've made the right decision taking care of yourself, no matter what others are saying. Right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but if the offense is m slight and you're getting, a, you know, and it's something that you're finding yourself angry about a lot where you're you're being slighted on a regular basis and mm -hmm. others really aren't seeing it then i would take a moment i'm not saying you're wrong and to feel the way you're feeling mm -hmm. but i think that warrants taking a look at yourself and your thoughts and behaviors and seeing if maybe there's a distortion going on where you're viewing other people's um behaviors with malintent you know are you distorting their behaviors in some way and viewing it as harmful to you um, when that's not their intention or, you know, really what's happening. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the first things we always try to do is process whether that person is doing those things because of a mental illness or mm. because of a person. Yeah, if that's just their personality. If it's a mental illness, maybe understanding the illness can 
help forget with forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's face it, some people it's not a serious mental illness; they're just jerks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, um, and that's where we spend a lot of time on, you know, setting boundaries. So much of what we work on in therapy is getting people to not engage with this person because they do damage repeatedly. Mm-hmm. Um, and how do you set that boundary and not engage is can be really hard when you're very family. difficult. Yes. Very, very difficult. So, but for your own mental health, that might be what's best and that's okay. Self care is okay. Mm-hmm. So it really varies. I, it's hard to say about, you know, here's a, one answer fits all situations sure. it really depends on what the what the harm was that was done and and that's really what i wanted to get at and really highlight in talking to you today about forgiveness is it's not it's complex it's not this list of 10 things on a beautiful background it is there's so much that goes into forgiveness you know you you start off this conversation talking about intent so the attributions we make about the offense are really important. Whatever the offense is, if we think that um, it wasn't intentional, like the person couldn't control it, therefore, you know, attribution theory would say that they're not entirely responsible for it. Even though they harmed us, they're not entirely responsible for it. We would react to that with more empathy, some more warmth. Whereas if we attribute control and responsibility for the behavior, we're more likely to feel anger and hostile and um, be, be less forgiving. How much did they harm us? The more agreeable we are, the more likely we are to forgive. There's some research that shows that being religious can lead to more be- forgiving behaviors. So, you know, there's not that much research on these topics, but there is some. And one, you know, again, as I said before, empathy is the biggest predictor of forgiving. Mm-hmm. And the other, in terms of how you get to a place of forgiveness, there's a, there was one study that found that like, literally the amount of time that you dedicate to forgiving someone is a good predictor of forgiving. So if we just, you know, don't think about it, we don't process it, we're less likely to forgive. But if we really sit with it, that we felt hurt and, you know, we felt disappointed, here's how we felt about it, and then try to take the other person's perspective, if we're able to take their perspective and feel empathy, um, we're more likely to forgive. But that takes time. That takes some effort on our mm-hmm. part. It's not a passive thing. I've even read that if you sit down and write a letter to the person, even if you can't mail it, because it's not always easy. The thing is, you're not always going to be satisfied. The person is not going to say, I'm sorry, sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so you're left with that feeling of being incomplete. So a tool, again, that I've read about is being able to write a letter, even if you can't mail it. Yep. I do that often in therapy, particularly when there's issues of forgiveness around family of origin. You know, people feel like that's never going to resolve. You know, that's just who they are. And so our options become um, accept them as they are, but still you have feelings about it and you're entitled to those feelings. And how can we get those feelings out without further damaging with this relationship? So, yeah, I use letter writing often in therapy. 
What yeah. is your definition of what it means to be healthy? Well, I would start with physical health. You know, for myself, it's become a little more salient as I, I'm having some like physical issues and I'm not as mobile as I used to be. And so that be- has become very salient for me. But I would say generally physical health and mobility. And then in terms of mental health, people often get surprised when I say this. I wouldn't say health is not being depressed or not being anxious. Being depressed and anxious is part of being human. Sure. But I would say that being healthy is being able to cope with those, having the skills Mm -hmm. to cope with it so Mm -hmm. that it doesn't overwhelm us. Mm -hmm. And where we don't have the skills to cope with mental health symptoms, knowing when to get help and having the ability to do that. And I would say the other aspects of, of health are really around interpersonal issues. So uh, having social support is really, really important. Um, that's a key indicator of health for me when I talk to my patients. Uh, anyone who is isolated or lonely raises a flag for me. And then depending on what people's values are, are they if they want to be working or going to school, are they actually doing that? Mm-hmm. If they want to be doing it and they're not, that can have a very significant impact on wellness as well. Thank you very, very much for sharing your time and expertise with us today. I learned a ton, and I think everyone else will, too. Thanks for having me. (laughs) And now it's time for practical tips. Take care of your mind, body, and spirit by practicing forgiveness. Remember that it is a skill that requires time and patience, but you are worth it. Thanks for being here. See you next time.